0: Hello, and welcome to the Outlier podcast, the podcast for everyone who is interested in building better homes. My name is Anthony, and I am the founder and lead designer of Outlier, and I'm passionate about creating beautiful and high-performing homes. I sit down regularly to chat with industry experts to help educate Australians about the potential of creating healthy, comfortable, and energy-efficient homes. Whether you are looking to build your forever home, renovate your existing house, or simply eager to learn more, tune in every month wherever you get your podcasts. We hope you join us on this journey. This is episode 19. And in this three part episode, we chat with David Demosky from David Bell Design. David provides an honest account of designing and building his own family home to passive house standard. We dive into the details of what makes this home different from a conventional constructed home, including the building fabric, assembly makeups, and how he used Passive House Planning Package or PHPP and Woofy to assist the design and value management. We conclude with some of the low moments, the feel-good moments, and what the future of industry may hold. What uh, I mean, we touched on some of the honest. Um, things that happen when you're an owner builder and, and what you've had to do to achieve what you're doing right now. But I want to hear about the highs. I want to hear about some of the things that have been just. Oh, the highs. Exciting. I wrote some down. Yeah. yeah. I want to hear some. Please share. Oh. The, I, I built a really good
1: set of stairs. So I built my first set of stairs, um, which I've, I don't know why, but I've always wanted to do it. My, my wife. Um, I rang my wife and I'd done all this stuff. Like the house was, you know, frames were up. It was about a month or so ago. Um, You know, it was pretty, I'd done a fair bit. And I called my wife over and I go, you got to come check out these stairs. Like they they came out so good. And she's just looking at me. She goes, like, you've done all this house and this is the first time you've been properly excited. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, but I've never, like I've seen it on YouTube, but I've never built a set of stairs before. So um, it was just funny, like the whole, one staircase versus the whole house. I wasn't interested in that, but this staircase really got me excited. Um, another thing was probably, I, I liked the the carpentry, obviously but the staircase, but putting up frames, like uh, plumbing walls, building set out, stuff like that, like learning all that kind of stuff. That, that's that been really, really helpful. It's, it's amazing how, um, like I've, this whole experience has taught me a lot that like the, there's a lot riding on the builder's shoulders. That's why yeah. a lot of builders like working with me because they say I'm doing this and they know, like, I get it. You know, I, I don't I don't take what they do lightly. And it is very hard. And if it's, I remember I was setting up the building, I was putting it on my batter boards and I'm just like, I couldn't help but think like, if I get this wrong now, it's wrong for the whole build. Like if this wall is like, you know, you, you get it out of square, like 20 mil, it's 20 mil throughout the whole build. It's like this yeah this massive thing. And it doesn't sound like much of a big deal. Like, yeah, maybe you can pack it out, but um, there, there was an instance where, oh, but we'll stick to the highs. Remind me about the dodging yes. levels. When we talk <laughs> about the lows, sorry. I like to drag myself down. Um, the, so yeah, building the first set of stairs, um, the groundworks, the carpentry, and just the the challenge of it all. I think um, that's been probably the, the best thing. It's amazing. I, I said it as I was leaving the other day to my wife, I go, I'm I'm amazed that I've I've kept up this standard or this quality, the whole build, like the whole two years. Like it doesn't matter how over it I am because there's days where I'm just like, oh my God, I just want to burn this house down and collect insurance money. But (laughs) it's like, I I was just, I said to Michelle, I go like, it's crazy how everything I've done to the mill, everything. And there's a couple of things where I stuffed up, but as I've recovered really well from those instances and everything is done, like the air tightness, I'm, I'm sure when I do that blow door, I don't want to, I'll touch wood on this one, but I reckon we'll get it first go. Maybe.
0: <laughs> <I'm hoping so. laughs> that's one of the most nerve-wracking things that most of the builders have visited. Yeah, go <laughs> that, that's going to be, I'm, I'm really
1: excited for that because like the whole time we were doing the air tightness, my dad, he thought the whole thing was crazy. He's like, I can't believe... We've put up a 90 mil frame. We're putting a wrap on the outside. So he could understand that to that point. But then I never told him about the external baton or the internal batten, And he was just like, I was just getting all this wood delivered. And he's like, why are you getting more wood for? And I'm like, oh, there's a there's a batten on the outside. And then he's like, oh my God, like so much timber. And a couple of days ago, he was like, you know, we've used about, two houses worth of wood and I'm like, oh, I don't think it's been that much, but it, it definitely is a fair bit more. So he, he was always like, um, I tried to ease him into the whole passive house thing cause I needed the help or else he'd just, he'd be <laughs> yeah. like, oh, we're not doing this and nah. that. He'd try and talk me out of it. Um, so we're, yeah, working with my dad as well and family and stuff like that, that's been pretty fun too, they're, they're good. We spent a lot of time together. So that's, that's pretty fun as well.
0: Yeah, I can I can absolutely relate with that. Okay. Yeah. There's, There's a, a lot of arguments, but that's just yeah. Well, like, you're, you're at least yeah, working together. There's plenty yeah, of examples yeah. I can think of where well, yeah, that just wouldn't even happen.
1: Nah, a lot of it is yeah. There's a lot of like him questioning it, and then I've got to explain it, <laughs> and then we argue. It's like, oh, can we just do it? Or yeah, but that's just. I think that's like a father-son dynamic. It's pretty. <laughs> it's pretty popular or pretty pretty um, normal.
0: Are there some more highs or some feel-good moments, or do you want to touch some on more? a few lows?
1: Oh, I don't know if I've got any highs, man. It was pretty – there's there's not many highs because it's it's one thing after another, so I don't get to – I don't get to reflect on it too much. Like maybe when the scaf came down, that was pretty cool. Like, you know, um, getting a bit of paint on some cladding, that was um, pretty good. I liked when um, when it rained actually. i just done all the box gutters. I set the falls, so like I – they were like, I designed them to um, one in 200 falls, So every 200 mil, one mil, you know, I think the longest one is like seven meters or something. So yeah. it's pretty, you have to get it pretty accurate. And I had to cut them in because remember, they're outside of my building envelope. So I had to build like this bloody hectic platform. Um, and I remember the first day it rained when they were in and that water with that damn buster turn, it just turned out, worked flawlessly. And I was just like, oh god it works like <laughs> that was more of a relief rather than um than a, a high moment i was just like oh thank god that that bloody worked because you don't know, want water just sitting in your box gutter. so that was no, a bonus. That's great. yeah that was
0: awesome i think almost every builder could relate with that yeah you know, they're it's like, such a well it <laughs> managed risk mitigation i'm happy <laughs> <laughs> exactly
1: yeah that's that's most of the highs just when things worked out it was really good and i, I really liked um nerding out on the details and the air tightness and the, the vapor barriers on the outside and all that. That was really fun to install. Um, I got them, I like getting them really tight. So I, I don't know why, but there was nothing better <laughs> than getting like a, an 11 meter run of Intello, um, stapling it to the ceiling and then using my staple gun to just load it up and getting it like a drum. I was just like, I was super proud of those moments. They were really cool. But, no, you know, most people probably wouldn't care about that. <laughs> no one would really care. Well, people just say it. I'm like, oh, yeah, cool.
0: Speaking of other people, I wouldn't mind if you want some advice then. Yeah. I mean, At this point, yeah, what would you advise to other owner builders out there or people who are considering building their own passive house? Some key takeaways. To do
1: it as an owner builder, you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, as an owner builder you have to have the tools for it. So I, I, I worked in total tools and then being a mechanic and like always doing like handy stuff around the house and stuff like that. Like I've got a lot of tools. I've got, I've probably got more tools than what most builders do. Like I've got a stupid amount of tools. So you have to be ready for that kind of stuff. You have to buy tools If you're going to do it like me and do like be super hands on, um, you, you can't really rely too much on friends and family because they've all got jobs as well. So if you think like you and your mates are just going to slap up some friends on the weekend and save some money, it's probably not going to happen. Um, so there's a, bit, there's a big reality check with it. Um, I, I don't want to start out by giving advice to people and saying like, oh, it's easy, just do it. You know, 80% of the homes in the UK are owner-built, but in Australia, we just don't do it. And, and that's probably for a reason because – there's just not many people that are that are willing to or crazy enough to do it. it.'s a, it's a mission. It is an absolute mission to do this. Um, mental resilience, you have to have the time for it. Um, don't have little kids while doing it.
0: <laughs> I um, feel like when we all decide we're gonna do it.
1: Yeah, and a lot of people like my my last one. so remember that one that I done in Shell Harbor that was um, owner built. So me and my father-in- law, we were both working full- time. I was working for the military back then, and um, there, there was kind of like a bit of freedom there. And I, you know, I didn't really like that job, so I don't care what I say back then, but I used to just build the house while I was at work. Um, so if you've got that type of a job where you've got a bit of freedom to organize your trades and stuff like that, that's all cool. Cause if you have to remember, if you're not there, it doesn't get built, it just sits there, and then you'll go back next week and nothing's done. So you yeah. either have to go there and do it yourself, or you have to organize the people to do it. There's a, there's a very good financial reward. So if, if you can say that my house is probably, I don't know, a builder made of mine. We priced it up at about, oh, if a builder was to do it, like over a mil, like it's a lot of money. And I'm saving like hundreds upon hundreds of thousands of dollars doing it myself. But that is literally me, again, breaking my back doing it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there, there's a lot of money to be saved but it is very hard work and it is hard to get the money. So touching back when we first started the pod about getting money for an owner builder. Um, back when I'd done my first one, um, they were loaning up to 60%. And I think it was only St. George. So I think you would probably be these days looking at some type of like second tier lender, maybe third So, I, I dare say it wouldn't be a great interest rate. And these owner-builder projects drag on, so that interest repayment could be creeping up And you. I've, I've sorted out like different means, so I'm, I'm in a pretty good scenario. But um, finance is very challenging for an owner-builder to get these days, especially if the, what is it now, like 6%, banks are charging like 6%, which is just, it's wild.
0: Yeah, have you had any project management software or anything that you've used to help you with quotation um, and takeoffs? Yeah. Yep. Yeah,
1: Monday.com. We use Monday.com. To be fair, I'm not. Um, there is a budget in mind. Like I don't want to spend over a certain amount. Yep. Um, but one of the challenges from the from starting this building was we've done this. Oh, I think I started in 2021, um, and you can imagine what we were all going through back then. And the 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 money that I had budgeted, um, which I had from the sale of the home. Um, that was kind of my budget to build the house. That was going to be, okay, well, we'll just build this and then maybe I have to borrow a little bit at the end. Um, So there was a certain amount of money that I did want to spend, but obviously because we started in 2021, that was like full peak. Everyone blaming COVID for building shortages and the government's using the building industry to like prop up the economy with that bloody grant. So now everyone's building... I think at that time there was also some fires um, in America, so our timbers going over there. New Zealand is sending timber to America. We got um, our fires. Obviously, our plantations burnt, so I couldn't get timber, and everything was just going up. Everything was just. I, I probably added. It probably added maybe, hundred and fifty thousand to the build just within a couple of months of like, price increases. Seems to have stabilized now. So I can I I can probably say like, yeah, okay, I, I have to spend this much now. But there's those types of things as well. So you could you can I had it all budgeted out pretty yeah. close, you know. But then when that happened, hit the fan. And then as an owner builder, like you're wearing it. There's there's no builder there that's gonna be like,
0: well, that's I right. want to- an you?
1: Yeah, and I wouldn't expect the builder to wear that either. Like, that's yeah. that's something that would have to be negotiated in a variation. But, um, you know, that sucks. When that happens, it sucks, man, because every $100,000 you add to a loan, you're just in there thinking, like, well, I'm going to be paying that off for, like, X amount of years now. Like, that's just, you know what I mean? And that's the whole point of owning a builder, so you don't have a big mortgage so you can get on with yeah. your life. I'm 36. I don't want to be paying a mortgage for till I'm 60. Like, that's, that's crazy, man. Um, but yeah, that's getting organized. Um, I've, I've kind of, I learned that the hard way. So through the second year, I tried to get a little bit more organized because it was just going, um, that rain kind of killed me. So I had a lot of really good momentum at the start. And then that rain, once the slab went down and the frames got delivered, everyone lost momentum because I couldn't talk to anyone. No no one would come for months because there's no, there's no point.
0: Um,
1: so Keeping momentum going um, is really important, and obviously, if you have a budget that you can't go over, oh well, geez, I'd probably you have to have a contingency, and I'd make it a very big one. Yeah, um, would be That's some good advice. advice. Yeah,
0: have to be really re- realistic about that situation.
1: Yeah, and then times that by two. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, like if you think something's going to take, like, oh yeah, we'll we'll clad the house in two weeks. You're not going to clad the house in two weeks unless you've got six boys there, you know, starting from each end of the house. You've got two cut guys passing up the scaps there perfectly. You don't have to move it around. You'll get it done in two weeks. But if you're there by yourself or just you and a mate on a weekend, that house is going to take forever to build.
0: Yeah. All right. David, what are you most excited about moving into the future?
1: Yeah, I'm probably pretty keen to move into the home. I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for it to be over. Um, yeah, I know it sounds crazy. Like I'm, I'm having so much fun building it, but God, just to, just to move in and and be done with it um, for a little while. Like I, I really, really love doing it. I like going. There, I like building. The challenge is fun, um, but just to have some time with the family and just do things with them again which is pretty good and i'm not saying like i don't i do but i try and balance it as much as i can but just not having to balance it is probably the best thing that i'm uh, the thing that i'm alluding to and also um yeah just working on the business that kind of stuff just doing my old thing maybe maybe doing something around the house on the weekend that's pretty fun but (laughs) not having so much in my head because i've got I got so much in my head, man, that I'm constantly thinking. of. you got house things, you got work things, um, you got the kids, like it's it's crazy. So having my life back um, or a bit more normality—that's what I'm kind of looking forward to. Getting um getting the family in a home is another good thing. Getting out of the rental um, that'll kind of help as well. Um, and just starting, again, yeah, starting fresh, man. New house, start
0: fresh. That all sounds really understandable.
1: Yeah, go through the garage here and just get rid of some crap that we don't want to take over that kind of stuff. I'm sure everyone's got a garage full of just useless things. It's like, oh,
0: oh, um, garages are not longer for storing cars. Yeah, well, I storing like
1: cars. Yeah, I like cars. Like I've got a, I've got an XY Falcon, and I haven't driven it in like 12 years. Like since I got married, I just parked there, and it's just stayed there. So. To get into the, in my garage in the house that I'm building, I've made it tall enough so I can fit a hoist. So I'll yeah. get back into like mucking in cars. I've got two boys. Uh, maybe Amelia, my daughter, wants to learn a couple of things. So, you
0: know, just
1: do some do some stuff that's...
0: Family um, restoration project.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah, well, kind
0: of there's one last question that we ask every one of our guests who come on the podcast, and that is... Is it something that you would want to change in the national construction code or industry? I think the education, both in
1: – I think building designers, it's, it's coming around more and, and there are certain builders now because a couple of years ago, like when I was talking to developers and I was saying like, you know, you're not going to be – you can keep on doing these, you know, they'll, they'll get a block of land for 600 square meters – and stick like three units on it. And, you know, just these quick little turnover jobs, they're making money and there's nothing wrong with making money, make your money. I understand if you can do it, do it. But there's gonna come a point where you're not gonna be able to build them like this anymore, or no one's gonna buy them because they're very low standard. You can only have, uh, what's the three elements of like building time, money and quality. If you've got something cheap and it's fast to build, it's going to be very quality. That's that's how volume builders work. And I'm, you know, there, there probably are some volume builders out there that build okay, but the ones that are in here, they build very quick, twenty-six weeks, you know, minimum, and they're, they're relatively the cheapest or relatively reasonably speaking, they're, they're the cheapest houses to build. They're the cheapest option. You, you can't have a high-quality home. And, and still get something fast and something cheap. It just doesn't work. You have to, you can either see so me, I'm having a high quality home, <clears throat> I'm building it cheaply, but it's taking a lot of time. You know what I mean? Like It's a give yeah. and take. Um, so my, my kind of thing would be like to educate uh, developers, builders, building designers, architects, cause we're like, we're the first guys um that drive the, the industry, you know what I mean? Um, especially in commercial. I think there should be more like I think passive house is easier in commercial. Um, there, there's a lot of misconception that like passive house um, it, it tells you like what what you have to use hemp and like all this hippie stuff. You can use whatever you want. I always tell my clients, I go you can you can do it um like you can you can go with your approach of like where well, you're worrying about the environment you want to be a bit more environmental and and all that but that's going to cost more money that that will like my wood fiber insulation that's not cheap I could have just put bats in and it would have been so much cheaper um, and a lot of people are they're not educated about those types of options so they see passive houses are like Oh, you know, it's 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 really bizarre. It's like a science experiment, but it's, it really isn't because it doesn't tell you what you have to use. You can build it out of anything you want. Um, so the, the the education around that kind of stuff, I think, is important. It'll get rid of a lot of misconception. Um, I think the if it's a national construction code, make it national. Like
0: yeah, well, I think that probably is affirmed more with what we've seen recently with the lack of adoption or each state choosing or cherry picking yeah. what would be best for them and it's really not a national decision it's it's,
1: it's not uh, a national construction code the, the word national construction code means as a nation we'll follow these rules that we all agree to we don't have new south wales saying oh yeah we're going to we're going to do this and we're going to have basics and we're going to bloody oh we might not accept um, disabled access and accessibility. We're just not going to worry about that stuff. We're just going to do everything else but that. And then Victoria's like, oh, we're going to do accessibility and we're going to have Nathurst. Like, come on, man, get on the same page. And then you got the the building commissioner of um, New South Wales comes down here on his high horse. He sets the bloody rules. Sorry, I'm a bit passionate about this, but he sets the rules for the National Construction Code. If I'm not mistaken, that's his job, yeah, to enforce the national construction code yeah in a nutshell then he comes down here after setting those rules and start on building sites that people are are doing the wrong thing or their their work's not up to scratch he set the bar so low there is no buffer zone for someone to to you know with maybe like a uh maybe someone's not that great at rendering or or a plumber's just learning or something. There's no buffer zone to like have that tolerance where like you can catch a mistake or something like that. Just a mistake looks shit. And he comes in and he's like, oh, you know, we're gonna have to close down all these sites. And now Wollongong's a, it's got a bad name for, for construction, but he set the benchmark. Like let's let's get on a, let's get all on the same page. These are the rules, raise the bar. And, and thirdly, I wrote it down here because it's super frustrating as well. The it's, I don't know if you'd call it lobbying. It sounds like lobbying to me, but like when you've got like builders associations and volume builders and developers, basically it's, it's. It, I think it's the worst in New South Wales, but um, they're, they're basically writing the rules. They're, ba- they're, they're writing the national construction code. And then they're, they're telling that bloke, Hey, you know, you want to keep a building industry alive this is what we have to do. This is, it, the perfect example was a couple of months ago, I got an email saying that the, um, the NCC adoption has been delayed. Um, I can't remember. Well, how much was it? Like, a, no one's ready in October. Um, yep. We need more time to adapt. And I was just sitting there going, you've had, how, how long do you need to adapt to this stuff? Like, what do you mean you're putting it off? Like you've had years. And then what are we arguing over? 10 air changes per hour? Come on, man, 10 air changes per hour. That's, I could get that in my sleep. Like, what are we <laughs> doing? You know what I mean? It's that, that kind of stuff's crazy. When, when you've got like private organizations writing state legislation and then the states differing from national um, legislation, it's, it's a recipe for disaster, it's so stupid. I've even tried to contact like state members just to like see like what could happen like can, can we can we separate volume building from like what we I don't know I don't know what the answer is man it's no, it's that's, a, it's that's a certainly one of the
0: things people are requesting is that can volume yeah. building be separated from um, custom building or custom design building uh, because they have a totally different set of rules um, both insurances uh, even for building permit levies and things yeah like they, they do too have, yeah. Um, and they're treated differently, but still under the same umbrella. So it's mm. quite challenging. Um, I yeah. mean, there's some there's some good news as well. Like I don't know if you followers are here. The building inspector, he has a huge uh, YouTube and TikTok following, and he just did a New South Wales inspection that went on his YouTube live last week. Yeah, I watched it. Yeah, did you see that the building certified? I love him.
1: Yeah, I love him. I
0: he was getting results. Him.
1: Yeah only in new south wales though which is surprising when i saw that episode i was like holy cow like someone from new south wales actually reached out because that house that he was showing like you think the ncc is cooked that's a dog's breakfast whoever let that go it's a shame and you feel sorry for these people but to a much lesser scale we, we throw around this term affordable housing like I hear that every politician loves saying affordable housing. It's just like saying we're going to make more jobs and we're going to increase salaries and oh by the way we're going to get affordable housing on the run. But there's nothing affordable about a house that costs like four thousand dollars a year to run. That's hooked up to gas. That's only going up. Everything's only going up. The it, it's it's a it's a the whole plates, it's cooked, man. I don't want to go back to my original statement of tearing that up. But <laughs> <laughs> it's not just the NCC, but like the whole industry, man, it needs a big revamp. And I know you can't change it like overnight, but, you know, 10 air changes per hour, that's great. It's a really good, I would call it a baby step. Um, but no one's going to be checking it. Who's checking if they're going to do 10 air changes an hour? And then do you know what the scary part is for all of you that are building a house out there? If that comes into effect and your builder accidentally builds it too airtight and doesn't know about it, wait till you see the lawsuits coming. Wait till you see them. Because all these people, they're going to start making these like, you know, what if someone gets it to four or three or five without ventilation? Mold. It's just going to, your house will be caked in mold. It'll, yeah. it'll be worse than what it is. And then again, lack of education because no one's really talking about that.
0: Well, there's a little uh, spring load of surprise there for those who do get to five changes inch oh, or lower now under the NCC. It's, it's now yeah. mandated that you must install mechanical ventilation. So,
1: But do you know what they're going to do there, Anthony? They're going to be like, oh, okay, mechanical ventilation, no worries. But we're going to chuck up some mechanical birds. We're going to put some mechanical ventilation in the subfloor, which is good. Okay. But it's not going to be an HRV system. In, in nine, nine times out of 10, no builder, no developer is going to be spending $17,000, $18,000 that he doesn't have to spend. He's going to put in yeah. some re special ceiling fans and thanks for coming. That's what it's going to yeah. come down to. Well, I suspect Sorry. it'll be
0: decentralized stuff that does get installed. And, you know, like it's, there's some very affordable options you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. out there, but whether they're working as effectively as they should is another question.
1: Yeah, well, those ones that you showed me, the, the HRV, the decentralized HRVs, they're awesome. If that gets adopted, that's mad. That's really cool. Um, yeah. But it's just the thing of, like, yeah, let's let's say 10 air changes per hour. Okay, the whole country agrees on it, even though they probably won't. And then let's just say at five, you need ventilation. Let's just add another clause that says the type of ventilation. And once you get to 10, well, let's... As a builder, just like if you have a safety harness and you have to have it um, checked, you have to own one, whatever, you have to have a blower door. Just buy a blower door. Like you're, you're, you're building houses, it'll pay off. What's it cost? Four or five thousand bucks? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like a builder will go spend 150, 200,000 on a new year. Get a blower door, man. It'll cover your ass. And I'm not, I don't want builders i like builders i I really do you are a builder technically no i'm not man (laughs) i'm not a builder they're they're a special breed i'm just i'm a good pretender
0: well (laughs) thank you david i really appreciate uh you taking the time to come on and chat and, and talk through all of your own design and owner builder experiences around passive house and i'm looking forward to seeing you continue this journey and maybe share a bit of what you're up to um Online and via your socials. Now, where can yeah. people find you to follow along or, or reach out if they've got any further questions? To uh,
1: DavidBellDesign.com is my website. Um, my, most of the information there—that's pretty much.
0: We can um, put that in you, the show notes too.
1: Yeah, you can get in contact with me there. Um, Instagram at David Bell design and Facebook. Um, I'm usually phone's always in the pocket, so I'm always happy to have a chat. Um, and yeah, just reach out and we'll go from there. It's not as hard as you think. It it is possible and it's just a shame that um, not not more people are doing it. But I think that, I don't know about you, but I've I've noticed a a really big push for this kind of stuff. I think I said it earlier that energy and energy is not getting any cheaper. Um, Nothing's getting any cheaper. And I know you might spend a little bit more money um, designing and building a home, but in the long run, it's for the best for your family. It's for the best for your wallet. um, And, in tone, the environment as well. Like if we can reduce um, our energy usage, that's always great as well. But the the main driver is we have to look after family, so.
0: Yeah, well, thank you again, David. And uh, yeah, we look forward to seeing the result. No worries, thanks. Thank you for listening to the Outlier podcast. You can find helpful links and contact information regarding this episode in our show notes and on our website, outlierstudio.com.au Slash podcast. If you like our show, please leave a review and make sure you subscribe to never miss a new episode. If you have further questions for us or would want to share some additional feedback, please feel free to DM us on Instagram or Facebook. Until next time on the Outlier Podcast.